From the Ohio School Boards Association, I'm Scott Gerfin. This is Leading the Way, brought to you by Sedgwick. It's great to have the Ohio School Breakfast Challenge back here on the podcast. And also with us today are members of St. Mary's School District in St. Mary's, Ohio. Uh, June Wed, I wanted to start with you with the Breakfast Challenge, as I always do when I have you on, is to explain to our listeners what the challenge is. What is this initiative? Thank you, Scott. The Ohio School Breakfast Challenge is an initiative that encourages schools to give all students their best start to their day by serving breakfast so that all students can uh, partake. Uh, This year, uh, as in the past couple of years, we have recognized school districts and buildings that have demonstrated collaborative approaches and innovative strategies to expand access and participation in school meals. Uh, The challenge is sponsored by the American Dairy Association, uh, the Ohio Department of Education, Children's Hunger Alliance, and the Ohio School Nutrition Association. Well, thanks, June. And today we have with us from St. Mary's, uh, Superintendent Bill Ruane, high school principal, Jonathan Burke, child nutrition director, Nicole Rasmussen, and district nurse, Deanna Halco. First, Bill, tell us about your school district. Yes, got our um, St. Mary City Schools is a district of a little over 2,000 students. We are uh, made up of three main buildings and then our uh, pr- a private Catholic elementary school that we partner with, with a lot of things that are they're in our district and um, work together with a lot of different initiatives. Our uh, primary building is K through two, second grade and has about 500 students. Our intermediate building is third through fifth grade and also has around 500 students. And then our middle school is six through eight and high school nine through 12. And those two buildings share are on one complex of about a thousand students total. Um, And then that private school, Holy Rosary, is about a couple hundred students that make up Holy Rosary schools. So we're a rural school district um, in northwest, north central Ohio, um, northwest central Ohio, and um, that's our district. Nicole, I want you to jump in here and just tell us about uh, the breakfast program in your buildings and, and how it transformed this year. The breakfast program we've always done in the cafeterias in all of our school buildings except the private school. Um, The children typically get off the buses or they're getting dropped off by their parents and they come in and they can go directly to breakfast. Um, With the COVID and all of that that happened, we were looking to change breakfast, to reach out to more children and to better help our kids with the breakfast. Um, I reached out to the principals over the last couple of years about seeing about making breakfast for free for everybody. Um, due to our participation and our children. And with COVID, that kind of pushed us to do it right away. Um, So with that, we started working on different things in all the buildings. In the primary sector, we divided out kindergarten kids eating separately from the first and second graders to get more kids in to get through breakfast in the amount of time we needed. Uh, Third through fifth building, There was no changes there. The kids just came in, directly went to breakfast, and that seemed to work for us. And I added more staff in those buildings during breakfast so we could take care of getting everybody to eat breakfast and get them in and out and get them to class on time when the bells rang. 
middle school, high school, I worked with the principals and we started talking about ideas and what we wanted to do and how we could reach out to more kids. At first, I, um, our cafeteria is located separately from the children in the back of the building. All the kids used to come in off the bus or that's where they would congregate. So I felt, well, all the kids are here. Why are we only feeding 100 to 200 a day? So I added a separate breakfast area in at first, making two line areas, two separate sections. We reached out to a couple more kids. It wasn't really nothing that was too enticing to me to make it a huge success. So then I started talking with the principals and I said, what if we added a second chance breakfast? What if we brought it up to the kids during class times? When would be the best time that we could hit more children and make it work? So we kind of started talking about it. And then when breakfast became and lunch became free for everybody, we decided as a group when the best time would be. And with the kids not having to put their numbers in and to track who ate, because everybody was free, it was a huge success. We brought two carts to the high school side and two carts to our um, middle school side between the class changes. And the kids just came through, grabbed breakfast and went on to class. It was a huge success for that. So when this year rolled around, we decided to do breakfast again, free for the whole district. And with that, we went ahead and looked at the ways we could do it to make it better for this year, because the kids were gonna have to put their numbers in our computer systems. So I went about purchasing some carts that we could take down in the neighborhood, in those areas to make it work. And we actually purchased four carts per side of the building. And then I reached out to the principals and we separated the times that the best work for each side of the building. So we went from feeding last year anywhere from 600 to 800 kids daily for breakfast to this year, we're feeding 350 to 500 daily. Just oh, wow. Takes a little bit of time for the kids to put their numbers in and to get to class so they're not late. Um, that was a huge thing. And the principals have been great. The staff has been great helping the kids, keeping the lines moving. We've been strategically placing the carts where the most traffic is to get the kids through the line faster. Um, I brought more staff in. We have actually four extra employees in to help with the breakfast on both sides to make it work. We do food that the kids can grab and go. It's a lot easier for them to get to the class. And it seems to be working great for us. Jonathan and Bill, maybe uh, you guys can address uh, a couple of questions I had is uh, what did you do to add the uh, the second chance breakfast to the high school? And it was something that we'd been we'd been discussing, as Nicole said, for a while. Um, and we always found reasons or excuses on why it couldn't work. And I think we're getting a little um, caught up on that. And we always try as a district to do what's best for students. But sometimes their barriers get put into place that aren't what's best for students. So we always had an excuse why we couldn't do this or why it wouldn't work. Um, COVID kind of allowed us to push through some of those barriers and say, we're just going to do it. We, you know, it, it took some of those logistics and things out of the picture. So we just did it. And then after COVID was um, kind of over and we were getting back a little bit to normal, we're like, we had so much success with it. Uh, we, we didn't want it to stop. We were seeing the positive benefits from the school culture, from the kids performing better to kids getting excited to, um, you know, at, Nicole didn't really point this one out, but we start school um, at the middle school, high school very early um, as a, for a rural district. We start, the kids start getting dropped off at seven o'clock 
and we start school at 725. So um, that means that kids coming on buses sometimes get on buses at six o'clock or 630. And, um, you know, they might get dropped off at 615 and start school in 10 minutes and not have time to eat that breakfast. So we were missing some kids that were getting here really early. A lot of kids wake up, even adults wake up early and don't feel like eating first thing in the morning. So um, they, they weren't taking advantage of the breakfast that we were having back there. So just by having that second chance breakfast at like a nine o'clock, um, we were allowed to, we were able to hit a lot of kids that were now getting hungry after being at school for a couple hours, sitting in class, and still, um, because of the size of our, our student population in our middle school, high school, we have four different lunch times. So even though we start at 725, our early, our latest lunch is until 1230. So that's a long time to ask adults to go without eating or getting a snack or getting a breakfast in. So um, to ask our kids to do it probably isn't the best thing either. So um, we really made a commitment and priority to try to feed the kids. So um, we, we shifted some things around. As Nicole said, we got some more help, um, both on the cafeteria side and also uh, in the custodial side, um, we didn't want it to be, you know, messy. One of the big barriers that a lot of schools face is the, the, you know, that we always said we couldn't do it because it would be too messy in our new building um, with the carpet and things. But again, that wasn't what necessarily what was best for kids. Um, we ended up, once we got this started, it wasn't nearly as bad as what we had anticipated. We heard very, very little trouble um, with messes, even though we did get a little extra help um, to help out with custodial side of it and clean, clean up. Um, but overall, um, if, if there's a will, there's a way and you, you can make it work. Yeah, and I think uh, to add off, uh, add off of that, this is John Burke, the principal. Uh, we have a lot of kids who are rushing around in the morning and our uh, breakfast is served in the mornings down in the cafeteria where that is where the buses come in. But we do have a lot of kids who drive themselves and get dropped off in the, on the other side of the building. And so if they're coming in at 7.20, they don't have time to unload their locker, go down and get lunch or uh, breakfast and come back and, and get to class on time. So one of the things that we, Nicole and I have been talking about for years is when, when is a better time to do it? We have College Credit Plus kids who come in for delay entry. Um, and we have work program kids uh, who don't have here, may, they may get out earlier, they have a first period off. So we have kids arriving after 7.25 as well. Um, and we found that, if we did this after second period, between second and third period, it's a good time we have most of the students in the building at that time. Um, and we have four minutes between each class period. So we were finding if the kids uh, last year, we didn't have to identify every kid who was getting breakfast. So we just had, my main concern was like the crummy stuff. So muffins always made me nervous, but we never heard complaints from the staff. Uh, the kids were pretty good about drinking their juice and having their uh, their breakfast without making a big mess in the class. And the teachers could still start their class on time. Um, the first week or two, we did have some kids who would, who would be in a, a few seconds late. But as we got um, our processes down and getting, we probably had three staff members who were helping distribute all of our breakfast and juice in the morning that was helping get kids out of here and, and get their breakfast uh, going. Um, so we found if we bring the carts down where the students are having classes instead of down in the commons where they have lunch, the kids can get it, access to it a lot quicker. Um, and, and before we had a policy where students were not allowed to eat in the classroom. Uh, for this, we, we decided that it was worth it to let the kids have a snack in the classrooms. Like I said, as long as they weren't making a big mess and they didn't, we continued to allow it. Um, and I think a lot of kids were coming to school hungry and we were seeing uh, you know, just 
you get hangry. <laughs> so kids are upset. Um, and it just having us uh, like a, just another chance to have a breakfast bar or a muffin sometime in the morning allows those kids to settle down. And last year, especially coming out of COVID, we had a lot of social anxiety in the building. And I think a lot more than what we realized. And for those kids to get something in their stomach after they've been to school and settled down a little bit, uh, helped with classroom behavior, um, especially that third and fourth period heading into the lunch period. What did this do for uh, families? In the I think it really helped families. Um, again, the families really felt supported that the school was doing everything we could to try to help support them, especially through COVID and through some difficult times when they were struggling. Um, our district is a little over 40% free and reduced lunch. Um, we are a pretty, you know, about 50% economically disadvantaged district. So um, us doing things like this and showing that we are being pro proactive, whether it be our summer lunch feeding program um, that we are taking to them, delivering uh, at bus stops in different areas, or whether we are doing the second chance breakfast, I think it really showed that we we were cared about the um, about them and their kids. And um, one example I can give you, you, you don't always hear it from families because sometimes um, we got tons of positive feedback on social media and, and different individuals and churches and stuff just supporting us saying, you know, this is great. If there's anything we can do to help out, um, we even had some neighbor, um, some local restaurants that were asking how they could help out and if there was things they could do. Um, but you don't always get the families that it's, it's impacting directly to come forward, um, you know, for, for various reasons, um, they, they sometimes confidentiality or privacy or uh, pride and stuff don't always come forward. But I, I think it sums it up. I was actually doing an interview for a newspaper and a newspaper reporter um, was asking about it. And I was talking to this news reporter about the second chance breakfast and um, how it was reaching kids and the success we were having. And the reporter kind of got some teary eyed and kind of stopped in the middle of the story. And then, um, you know, we just took a couple of seconds and just kind of sat there. And then she said, I go, you okay? Is everything okay? And she just goes, yeah. She goes, you know, I was just thinking back to my time in high school and my time in high school. Um, and I remember going to school hungry and we didn't have food at home. Um, and I didn't know how I was always going to eat. And she goes, and just the fact that you guys are doing this, I just think it speaks volumes. And it really like touches me because, um, you know, I, I know what it was like going to school hungry and not knowing how I, when I was going to eat next. So I, I think that was just one story from a news reporter who was an adult, but was able to reflect and, and kind of show an inside glimpse or a perspective um, of what many of our students probably are feeling, even if they're not able to um, to say it or um, to show the appreciation all the time. So I thought that was pretty powerful. And Deanna, you being a school nurse, uh, you know, what do you think about this expanded breakfast program? What What is the benefit to students? I think um, Bill just kind of touched on it. Yeah, like what Bill said, um, I had a student, and actually it's what I wrote into you guys, was that, you know, every day she has to have that morning breakfast with her pills that she takes with me in the morning. And during that time, we were not offering the second chance breakfast yet. Um, the cafeteria had been closed when she got to school late and she was just in a panic. And, and you know, finally I asked her, why, what is wrong? And she said, I don't, I didn't eat since yesterday at school. And so she was hungry and the cafeteria was closed. Um, Nicole does an amazing job with her staff. So her staff was able to come up with a breakfast for her and feed her. Um, but because of the second chance breakfast, it allows those kids who don't have food at home. I can't tell you how many times I've sat with a kid and it's nothing for him to tell me that they eat dry brownie mix or they eat a block of ramen because maybe they don't have running water or they don't have electric to turn the microwave on. Um, it breaks my heart. Uh, I would say 90% of the kids that I see with stomach aches, a simple crackers or snack will hold them here at school and they want to be here this is you know their happy place this is what they like COVID was a big challenge uh, Mr. Wayne and I sat together 
a couple times and just talked about how important it was we needed to be back in school. We needed to make sure they had that safe place and that they were given those meals. Um, so I think that's the biggest benefit to our kids is just, you know, the reassurance that they are going to at least get those two meals a day. This is a great story. I mean, to hear all this, what this district's doing with this program. And I know that's what you highlight in, in the, uh, the breakfast challenge. Uh, and I understand that these districts, St. Mary's and the others will be recognized at the Capitol Conference too, right? Uh, yes, uh, Scott, we will uh, recognize each one of the 22 school districts that received the Breakfast and Beyond recognition uh, and would invite them to come to uh, booth number 1106 uh, during Capitol Conference on uh, Monday and Tuesday to uh, get their recognition banner. <laughs> And make sure you ask. I'm glad you got that booth number in there. And because there's yes. there's going to be about 500 booths in that trade show. So yeah. right, Nicole, is there anything else you want to add in terms of a, uh, um, you know, the breakfast being a success there at St. Mary's uh, in terms of what's happening this year? Are you, are you able to keep the breakfast going? Yeah, we are keeping the breakfast going. The kids are, like I said, they're taking the breakfast. It's a big hit. The only thing I think you know is a downfall when we have a two-hour delay. The kids come in, they want breakfast, but, you know, we're two hours late. We don't serve breakfast on those days. They're all sad coming in the building, but they're going to lunch as soon as we're in there already. It's 1030. They're rolling right into the lunchroom, but they look forward to the breakfast. I think the kids are ecstatic. I have children of my own. They look forward to breakfast every day coming into school and going and having breakfast. And they talk about it at home. And I think that's the neat thing is to hear your kids outside of school excited and happy about what they're going to get at school that day or the next day. And it makes me smile, even when I see them out in the community. That's just such a neat thing to have them tell you. Wow, and that's got to be fulfilling. It really does. June and the gang at St. Mary's, thank you for coming on the OSBA podcast. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Thank you. Student transportation is a tremendous responsibility for boards of education. It not only involves buses and drivers, but careful planning and an awareness of a multitude of laws, rules, and regulations. To help districts improve the effectiveness of their student transportation systems, OSBA's Transportation Services team is prepared to assist districts with issues such as safety, operations, and financial matters. OSBA even offers a unique subscription service to support districts with their transportation needs, the Virtual Transportation Supervisor Program. Learn more about VTS and other transportation services at www.ohioschoolboards.org.